tell me what that means. Make a slick comment and see what that brings. I've seen it go down, we can reenact things. Extreme like DMX sing. These boys in it. People in the city see the movement occurring and say, my God, I want to be in that scene. But damn right, you want to be in this scene. She had the video trying to be in this scene. Used to fantasize about being this scene. Bluegrass girl, but she got big dreams. Can't touch me, I got instincts. Locked in the house, but I'm plotting things. I brought a gang to the party with me. Welcome five to white boys, Season but they 3, Episode 5 Which of the Blue Blood TV Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the Duke-Carolina rivalry. We're going to talk about Duke's uh, weekend last weekend and Carolina. A week uh, last week. We're also going to talk about the upcoming Carolina game against the Wolfpack, and we're also going to talk about Duke's chances of winning this following week. Um, just to start it off, Saturday was like a rough game for fans on both sides of the Duke Carolina rivalry, as both teams played and lost in the ACC play. Duke will put up another abysmal second half display, 17 straight points as NC State beat the Blue Devils 31 to 20. Despite losing their quarterback, the end of the third quarter, the Wolfpack were able to close out the game strong, outscoring Duke 10 to 0 in the final quarter. UNC, on the other hand, came out of the gate slow once again, and despite scoring 21 straight themselves, they still fell short of Florida State as the final two of chances, the Tar Heels lost the game. It's almost game time. Don't forget to pick up a six pack or four pack of the Blue Blood Rivalry Ale. Go to your local supermarket. If they do not have it, go to your manager and ask for it. The official game day beer, the Blue Blood Rivalry Ale is light, crisp and refreshing. Natalie, let's go back to Florida State, Tallahassee. You guys came in the weekend, the number five team in the country against Florida State, entering the game. And to come out of that game with a loss, why did you think the team struggled so early, Natalie? Yeah, so I think the big storyline coming into that game, obviously UNC being ranked in the top five the last time that happened. Mac Brown, Mac Brown was coach in the 90s. And then besides that, I mean, you got to think about some of the history, too, with Sam Howell being previously committed to Florida State and actually flipping his commitment to Carolina. And then also, Mac Brown used to play football at Florida State, and he's 0-9 going into that contest against FSU. So those are some things in the back of my mind. I thought the line was pretty generous because people underestimate Florida State. I think that's one big thing. I think Carolina football even maybe underestimated Florida State because although, you know, Mike Norvell, maybe that was his first big statement win at FSU beating Carolina, they have a great quarterback too. Jordan Travis is spectacular. He fought through the game with a limp arm. So I don't know if, if Carolina – necessarily got a big head about it. I don't really think that was it because I think Mac Brown is very verbal in saying he thinks his team is a little bit overrated. I think it was just more so of a slow start. And it, Mac Brown said it best. He doesn't necessarily think that they lost the game. They just ran out of time. And when you start a game like that, it's so hard to make up for the huge deficit you got at, at the beginning. I think at one point it was 24 to zero. If you're looking at the second half, they were an incredible second half team. So, Natalie, I watched this game, and my analysis of the game was 
Carolina's play calling. When they first came out in that first quarter, they they specifically were running the football. They did. They had a very very close playbook. They didn't let Sam Howell air it out until they got down twenty four to zero. I personally felt like the play calling was the issue and they were playing a conservative game rather than coming out and basically taking it to Florida State. What are, you, what are your thoughts there? I think you're so right. I'm curious why they didn't come out more confidently at the very beginning. I think they just – once they were put on their heels and, and they were behind, I think they did want to get conservative. But Sam Howell is – he's a great passer. You know, that's – got to let him work. you got to let him play his game. I also think you have to kind of give some credit to Florida State because they've had some bad games, but that was FSU's best defensive game of the season by far, in my opinion. I've watched a couple of their other games. So you got to give credit to them in that aspect. But I think you're so right. There was a lot of questionable play calling. I think they had to burn a couple timeouts that hurt them later on, running the football when you think they should probably be passing and vice versa. Just interesting decision-making all around, and I think those are all elements that made them end up losing the game. All right, so let's go over to Duke. Remy, your team has got, like, the opposite problem. They come out strong, and then they end the game weak. I mean, you guys came out 17-7 lead, and then you ended up losing the game 31-20. What what is this all about? It it looks like that you have the tools to score points, but why can't you guys just keep it going? It all it's like the story of the season. I mean, I thought the season was going to be turned around maybe with the win at Syracuse, but we just can't, like you said, close out games. And I actually was reading one of Coach Cutliff's um, statements after the NC State game, and he seems to still have a lot of faith in the team. Like you said, the tools to score points, but. He's honestly saying that it comes down to maybe him calling the plays and him calling the wrong plays, just like you were talking about with UNC's play calling. I don't know if that has to do with some of ours, too. We keep on causing turnovers. I don't know if that has to come with we're not calling the right plays or putting the ball in the wrong people's hands. I don't know. Well, uh, you know, uh, again, I I watched the Duke game, and I felt like there was a play calling uh, thing there, too. I felt like Duke came out the play calling was great. They were aggressive. They're saying, Hey, we want to win this game. But when they got, when they got ahead, I felt like they got more conservative with their play calling instead of just saying, let's stretch out this lead. Let's have a shootout. And if I'm looking at Mac and I'm looking at coach cut clip, I'm thinking that their staffs are not coming out to win these games. They're coming out to play well, But I think when you're going up against like an NC State, when you're going up against a Florida State, you've got to come to annihilate those teams. And um, and I don't think either one of those teams wanted to do it from start to finish. I agree. Um, I think that there was actually one play where Coach Cut did go for the touchdown on a fourth down and ended up not converting. So that gives away when he could have just easily kicked a field goal, which I think, like you're saying, there's not really a balance. It's kind of either one way or the other, not conservative nor – very like risk-taking I think that's the problem I think we need to find a balance between the two okay so Remy what can coach Cup Cliff do to keep his team in it I mean it's only a few more games left and um, you know his team is not doing well what can he do to keep this team afloat I think just kind of keep instilling this idea of belief keep having faith our defense is really holding us together right now I think our offense isn't getting it done like it has been like it hasn't been all season so I think maybe just instilling this belief continuing that um, better play calling on his end if he believes that's a problem 
Okay, all right. So, Natalie, we're going to go back over to Chapel Hill. Um, this football season for me has been – there's been a lack of defense. And, um, you know, Mac has been scoring the points but he hasn't really played well on the defensive side of the ball. What does Mac need to do to get his defense back on track, Natalie? I mean, I think one big thing that's going to be, you know, it's obvious in the Florida State game, it's a major key going into the NC State game is defending the run. I, I think they gave up 400-something yards against Florida State. Over half of them were from not defending the run. I mean – that is going to be a huge key for them. And like I said before, I think NC State is an underrated team. I think they are a lot better than people give them credit for. I know the offense will probably struggle a little bit more because not sure the status of their starting quarterback, but I think he did sustain an injury in their last game. So, you know, to be determined what they can do offensively with someone new stepping in at quarterback. But to answer your question about the defense, it's that's a million dollar question is they got to defend the run. How are they going to do it? I think they've probably been trying to figure that out all week. So let's talk about their linebacking court, Chaz Sherratt. I mean, they're saying he's a first round draft pick. They're talking about Patrice Renee. They're talking about all these guys that are on this defense. But to me, this defense is not a, a big-time defense. This is a, a, it's a very marginal defense. Are these guys good or are they, are they just not, are they not good? What, what is it? Do they have the ability? I mean, I think definitely you're looking at some stars for Carolina's defense. Have they had their best game yet? Probably not. But you can't solely judge them off of that Florida State game because if you're going to solely judge players off that game, then you're probably – taking Sam Howell down a couple notches too. So I think it's just a matter of figuring things out. Florida State played Carolina so well. I can't give Coach Norvell enough credit. I think he had a hell of a game. I think, like I said, that's his first statement win at Florida State. So, I mean, that matchup, they, they matched up to Carolina very well. And UNC just got to look at tape and learn from that game. Okay. All right. So, Remy, let's talk about defense at Duke. Um, Duke's defense has been put in tough spots all season. Um, they've been forcing turnovers. They've been doing a lot of good things, and they've been trying to keep the team in it. Um, is it is their defense that good, or you know what can we what can we take away from what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball? Like you said, I think the defense is our positive aspect here right now. Like they've been on the field the majority of the time because our offense is turning the ball over. Um, but on the same time, they're causing turnovers, like you said. They're putting pressure on the quarterback. I think they were going, going into the game, they were ranked nationally in sacks. So getting pressure on the quarterback and causing those turnovers, I think it's – if we're able to do that consistently and maintain that throughout the rest of the season, I think it'll be good for us. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree. I think the defense at the Duke is doing really well. If we could take Duke's defense and put Sam Howell's offense, we'd have a top-two team in the country. Um, but – I think the defense is doing well, but I feel like the offense has to stay on the field longer so that that defense can rest and they can keep the, the score below 14 points if the offense can actually stay on the field. Uh, Natalie, we're going to go back to you. We're going to talk about Sam Howell. Um, he's catching fire late in games. Um, can you tell me, is that by design? Is that a play calling issue? 
it should they let Sam just you know air it out from the beginning? What are your thoughts on that? I think you made a really interesting point when you were talking about Carolina's play calling and how they were so conservative going into the Florida State game. I think if you don't have faith in Sam Howell by this point, you know, what's holding you back? And I don't think that's the issue, but I almost wish they would let him throw the ball more, especially at the beginning of the games. I mean, he does need to settle in, but he's proven time and time again what he can do. I think Sam Howell is an elite quarterback. Is he necessarily on Trevor Lawrence's level? No, but he is still an elite quarterback, especially this season across all of college football. So I don't think you can really blame him for this loss. If you're going to blame him for the loss, then you have to blame the receivers, too, that had three straight drop balls at the end of the game. But also, without any of that offensive ability, how would we have made it such a close game at the end? So, I mean, I think they need to play more to Sam Howell's strengths, and they need to come out a lot faster, especially against NC State. That's our biggest football rival, and I think whoever sets the tone early is really going to get the upper hand. I couldn't agree with you more. Natalie, if I was the play caller – calling and I was the offensive coordinator I'm throwing and then I'm running when um, I watched the Florida State game I felt like we were trying to establish the run with Mike Carter um, but we never really established the run I think Carolina should be a throw first team then run it because we can run that football but we need to establish the pass so that we can find the holes for Mike rather than find the running game and then find the pass. And I think if we let Sam, you know, air it out from the beginning, I think you guys will have, uh, you know, a much better opportunity. Remy, offense has been bad all year. Chase Bryce, three interceptions. Um, He's really been bad all season. Is Chase the problem? Is the offensive system around him failing him? Or is he just not a good quarterback? I honestly think it's a little bit of both, everything you just mentioned. I think our offensive line to start doesn't give him a lot of protection, which makes him make rush decisions or careless decisions because he doesn't have time. But at the same time, having come from a renowned program like Clemson, I would think he'd know how to protect the ball, what passes not to make. I know maybe the pressure gets to him. Not quite sure there. I do think he has a unique skill set that if it consistently does things correctly and like puts those skill sets to use, I think he could be a very good quarterback. But I'm not sure if he's on the same page with his receivers all the time, given he looks like he throws the ball directly to the other team half the time on his interceptions. It's not even a contest contestion between the two, the receiver and the other team. It's almost like a free pass. So I'm honestly not sure. But just like what we talked about earlier, the play calling too, I think that has something to do with it as well. So I think it's a whole lot of problems within the offense right now. Okay, great, great, great. Um, do you think you got a week off, Remy? Do you think Chase comes back and starts the following week? 100%. I don't have any reason to believe, based on previous games, what we've done in the past, um, for Coach Cutliff to change his starting quarterback. It's almost game time. Don't forget to pick up a six-pack or four-pack of the Blue Blood Rivalry Ale. Go to your local supermarket. If they do not have it, go to your manager and ask for it. The official game day beer, the Blue Blood Rivalry Ale, is light, crisp, and refreshing. All right.
right. So let's talk about this upcoming weekend. Natalie, I heard you've got tickets. I heard you got COVID-19 tickets to the game. Is this true? This is true. Yes, indeed. Um, I'll do a quick shout out then since you brought that up. My friend Austin Chestnut, he gave me his last student athlete ticket for whatever. So I don't know what that means, what section I'll be in. I didn't get any ticket from the student lottery, not because I wasn't assigned one in the lottery. I actually forgot to enter it. So he came through for me. Shout out to Austin. Really excited to go to my first football game senior year. All right, so you're going to be amongst the 3,000 people in attendance because I believe it's 7% capacity. Is this correct, Natalie? You're absolutely right. Okay, so how do you feel about you're going to go into Keenan Stadium, you're going to see my cutout inside Keenan Stadium, but you're going to be one of 3,000 fans. Last weekend, Florida State probably had 25,000 fans. Would you be comfortable with – what what is the your comfort level in terms of going to one of those games what capacity 50% 20% 10% 100% what are your thoughts on that Natalie I mean I'm pretty comfortable going at some of the higher reduced capacities but that's because I'm also not around anyone who's high risk day to day I think the big question mark comes in when you could be affecting the health of other individuals so as long as that's a non factor for me I'm pretty comfortable being in a larger crowd. Um, but I think it just depends who you ask. Very different situation. But since you bring up um, the reduced capacity, I think it is so interesting. People are going to look back on this season, and not only are they going to look at some of the skewed rankings, which are totally whack. If anyone has seen, I think Coastal Carolina was ranked for the first time in, in their school history. So that gives you an idea of how that is skewed. But the other big skew is that some stadiums look like they're absolutely full. And that is just such a big factor in games. I mean, if you go go from being in Tallahassee with thousands of fans and then you cut that number by two thirds and you're in Chapel Hill. It is not the same playing ground at all. I just don't think I hesitate to say it's not fair because I guess it is fair depending on where you live, but in the grand scheme of things that does affect a game. So do you think last weekend the crowd had an effect on the players being able to play in front of the crowd? Do you think that crowd helped Florida state play above what they normally were playing? Yeah, 100%. I think you look back at last year, I always make this reference because I think it is so relevant, the UNC-Clemson game. Does UNC come that close to beating Clemson if it is not a full house packed stadium? No, they do not. This is, in COVID terms, a packed stadium. If you have reduced capacity that allows you to have that many fans, that is a packed house. It also helped that they got off to a really quick start Florida State fans, that's around SEC football country. They love that. They'll eat it up. They'll be loud. I think 100% that is a huge factor. All right. So let's talk about NC State. Last year, your Tar Heels beat NC State 41-10. to The Wolfpack is hungry for revenge this year. They just finished beating up on Duke. Um, Natalie, what is your prediction for this weekend? Um, well, first off, I think Carolina wins. I think that NC State covers this spread, though. I mean, 16 and a half points to Carolina. Some people are saying that UNC is going to come out with a must-win mentality. They're going to really give it to NC State. 
I want that to be true, but I imagine it being a much closer game than some of those predictions. I think 16 and a half points is an awful lot, especially if it's a rivalry game. Of course, does location matter as much this year with only 3,000 fans in a stadium? Probably not. But I'm interested really to see how not only the defense will step up to defend the run, but I'm curious play calling wise, we've been talking about that. Are they going to let Sam Howell throw the ball more? I mean, come on, you need to let him throw the ball. That's what he's good at. So I'm just interested to see that. I also want to make this note earlier, Haas, you had such a good point um, between the combo of Williams and Mike Carter. They hyped that duo up so much going into the FSU game that you saw Carolina lean on that so early and to their demise, it did not work out for them. I think Williams had a great game, but I think Florida state absolutely contained Carter. So looking at that film, having to go to other options, I'm just so curious offensively, what types of decisions they're going to be making. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So Natalie, I'm going to take you back in history. The last time, Carolina and NC State played. Oh, I already they know this. 27 time. years ago. I already know yeah. this. Oz. I was in the stadium. And um, if this is, you know, this helps, UNC won 35 to 14. And it was Matt Brown's first win ever over the Wolfpack. So and you so were at that game. I was at that game. I was at the game. So 1993. I was what time was that game at? Do you remember? I believe that it was like a noon game. I think it was a noon game. So can you take us through your like wake up to noon, like day in the life of Hassan Pinto? What were you doing on that day before you arrived at Keenan Stadium? So I would start at my apartment down Martin Luther King uh, Boulevard in Chapel Hill. You're waking um, up around what time? I'm waking up around 8 o'clock. But here's the deal. Everybody used to hang out in my house from Christian Leitner to Grant Hill. Everybody used to party at my house because we used to have this bar in town called Players. And it was owned by an NBA basketball player named J.R. Reed. J.R. Reed and Players used to leave a keg at my house 24 hours a day because when J.R. came to town, he wanted to come over and hang out and party at my house. And he always wanted beer on tap. So I always had a keg. So... 12 o'clock game, keg is out front of my house. You're Every hammering that at 8 a.m. What'd you say? You're hammering the keg at 8 a.m. You're waking up, you're going right to the keg. Is that what I you mean? We had a 24-hour keg um, at our house. And everybody in town knew that I had a beer on tap 24 hours. And that means that my house was the party, the party house, okay? And so at 8 o'clock, everybody come in. There's a full keg. It's on ice. We kept it on ice. Everybody knew where it was. It was community consumption, if you knew about it. And it, it was outside of my house. So you could just come on my deck and just drink. It was just – and it was a gathering place. And so we'd start right there. and um, and everybody would come and we'd hang out to about 11, 1130, and then figure out how we're going to get ourselves over to the stadium. And then 12 o'clock noon, we were hammered. We were in the stadium and we were just having a great time. I mean, that's what we did. And I lived literally in walking distance from Franklin Street all the way to the stadium. And I so we have one question, though. One question following that. So you're in the, in the stadium noon, hammered already. Do you make it to bars that night? 
Yes, but wow. here's the here's the key. Here's the key. We go back to my house and we yeah. call it, and we we start at eight a.m. and then we quit at eight p.m. Yes. And then we get a power nap from eight p.m. to ten p.m. and then we're ready to so that power nap like recharged us and then we we'd hang out to two a.m. in the morning. That's what we would do. What a fun Sunday you had after that, I'm sure. You felt yeah. great. <laughs> I'm sure I felt great. But, you know, getting back to this game, this is going to be a fun game. Both teams are ranked. Um, Natalie, so you're thinking Carolina, you know, Carolina is ranked higher than NC State. They are, you know, 16 points ahead on the, you know, Vegas says them 60 point ahead. Do you think Carolina is going to – come out and deliver this weekend? So I think that the lines have lowered a bit as the week has gone on. Vegas has started to favor NC State. I'm taking Carolina winning the game, NC State covering the spread. It's going to be closer than 16 and a half points, maybe within a score, but UNC wins the game. Okay. All right, great. And Remy, your next game is against UNC Charlotte. Do you think – Cutkiff could use that game as a chance to see his other quarterback, or do you think he should just stay with Chase and get this offense rolling? Yeah, I think that's a perfect opportunity, especially coming off a of bye week when in practice they could implement him more and have more rhythm created between him and the receivers. And I don't know, it's worth a shot. Anything's better than uh, losing again. So, <laughs> uh, all right, all right. So, um, all right, so this has been another um, segment of Blue Blood TV. And like we always say, we out. Go Heels. We out. Yeah. The ones that hate me the most look just like me. You tell me what that means. Make a slick comment and see what that brings. I've seen it go down. We can reenact things. Extreme like DMXing. These boys being they People in the city see the movement occurring and say, my God, I want to be in that scene. Damn right you want to be in this scene. She had the video trying to be in this scene. Used to fantasize about being in this scene. Bluegrass girl, but she got big dreams.